This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Sunday, November 27th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. North Korea's missile tests are a regular source of anxiety, but it's important not to let the country's saber-rattling turn into a high-stakes cycle of increasing belligerence. Cato's Eric Gomez details the current state of play. I don't mean to downplay the stakes here, uh, because whenever North Korea engages in some sort of uh, a nuclear test or shenanigans, as you've called it, um, you know, it, 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 I think it makes pretty much every thinking person in the world think, Ugh, that's not good. Uh, but it, it, it feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like this happens when there are other much larger prevailing news events. And it's almost as if North Korea is signaling, don't forget about us. We're still here. It's tempting to think that. I, I think it's it's more the cycle now that we find ourselves in has more to do with North Korea having this plan, right? Uh, in in 2021, I believe, at the party congress, Kim Jong-un sets out this like five-year plan. And on the nuclear front, he's like, we're going to test tactical nuclear weapons. They haven't done that yet. Uh, we're going to test new types of systems. We're going to field them. Um, and after this, he kind of, he does some stuff. He does a few tests, but it's kind of relatively short or relatively low frequency. And I think what we're seeing over the last few months is that you have this dynamic brewing where the U.S. and South Korea are saying, okay, we want to get back to these m big military exercises we used to do. We stopped doing them to try and give diplomacy a chance with the North Koreans. And now the North Koreans are latching on to these resumption of exercises to ramp up their own activities and their own testing. And you find yourselves in this spiral situation. So I don't think it's Kim's asking for attention, um, but it, it is definitely this policy issue that is clearly not the U.S. number one priority right now in foreign policy. And it, yeah, like you said, it kind of brings people attention temporarily while the tests are all going on. And then people kind of forget about it until the next round of exercises. Um, and what makes me worried about that is if there's not attention on it, I think we're going to just wind up in this sort of knee jerk action reaction cycle. And things are just going to, you know, the good news is they won't explode into a crisis, but they're not going to get better. Uh, so it's just going to be kind of this festering issue that either stays that way or, you know, maybe one of these times a missile goes off course and hits someone and kills someone and then or something bad happens. Let's help people understand what are the dynamics at work right now in North Korea to the extent we can uh, figure them out. So on the North Korean side, you had this timeline, which was diplomacy failed. I'll start at 2019. I'll start at Hanoi. Uh, the U.S. and North Korea go to Hanoi for a summit, and it falls apart in part because Donald Trump wants Kim Jong-un to give more than Kim Jong-un is willing to give at the time. And after that failure, the North Korean mindset is like, well, shoot. We gave diplomacy a chance. The U.S. pulled the rug out from under us. We are going to recommit ourselves to this missile and nuclear program and not 
not basically want to talk to the Americans again unless they come to the table with a actual, you know, more substantive deal to be had. And COVID kind of throws a wrench in this, right? Where like everyone goes into lockdown, North Korea goes into lockdown, they isolate their economy to an incredible degree. They still get COVID inside the country. We're not sure how bad it got. Um, but now that COVID is kind of subsiding a bit, they're they're sort of hitting the gas on, I think, a plan that they kind of formulated after Hanoi. And that plan is we're going to field more nuclear weapons, a greater variety of them, and focus our efforts on forging ahead with this program and making it sort of the best program it can be. The United States, on the other hand, North Korea kind of falls by the wayside. And during the last years of the Trump administration and so far in the Biden administration, foreign policy priorities have been elsewhere. Um, you know, Trump was dealing, you know, Trump was focused on China and COVID. Biden is also focused uh, first on, you know, getting the US out of Afghanistan, now the war in Ukraine. And so there was never any kind of serious effort on the part of the United States to take another bite at the diplomacy apple. And under Biden and under a new administration in South Korea, the mindset is very much if, if North Korea does stuff, we're going to respond to it by strengthening the alliance. And the North Koreans are like, well, if you do stuff to strengthen the alliance, we will do more bad stuff. And so you're, you're in this spiral situation where everyone's kind of not doing anything radical, I would say. All the steps are relatively small in by themselves, but you have this sort of action reaction cycle that is sort of, you know, every time the North Koreans do something, the US and South Korea get together and are like, okay, we're going to strengthen the alliance. We're going to do a military response to show our resolve. And the North Koreans see the response and say, ah, well, we're going to do our own military response to show our resolve to you. And that's, that's sort of the situation we find ourselves in. So in that cycle, uh, where does North Korea testing an ICBM that could hit the U.S. mainland figure? Well, it looks like they tested one last night. Uh, so we're recording this on uh, uh, November 18th, on the night of the 17th slash morning of the 18th in Korea. Uh, the North Koreans tested, it looks like they tested an ICBM. Um, I mean, I, I think what's interesting is that they haven't tested a new nuclear weapon yet. Um, I mean, I, I think on the ICBM front, we, we know they have one. Um, well, I, okay, this is Eric's own personal assessment rather than I think a consensus assessment. The North Koreans have successfully tested at least one model of missile that could hit the US if flown on maximum range. And I kind of think we should assume that they have that ability. Because if that assumption is wrong, it's a safer way to be wrong than assuming they don't have it yet, but they actually do. So I think we're going to start from there. What they're doing now on the ICBM front is testing what looks like a even bigger type of missile that could potentially carry multiple warheads. Uh, and so it already ranges the United States, but now has additional payload capacity. And so I think this is kind of marking just, you know, you, we're kind of running out of these technical milestones 
Um, so, so you could say like one of the milestones was, okay, you, could you try and cut the legs out of the program before they get an ICBM? Well, it's too late for that now. Could you cut the legs out of the program before they get multiple warhead technology? Well, that seems to be off the table now as well. And so my concern, and this is something I've written about in the past, is that you know the longer you kind of wait to try and actually give up something on the U.S. side or show that you're like going to make a serious diplomatic effort to try and limit this program, the fewer hurdles the North Koreans have left. And I think you know I think the last one left now um, is a solid fueled ICBM. So uh, for the listeners. This gets into the weeds a little bit, but there's like two types of, of missile fuel. There's liquid and solid. Liquid fueled missiles take a long time to fuel up. You need a lot more support infrastructure. Uh, they're much more complex to kind of handle and move around. Whereas a solid missile, the, the, the fuel is sort of built into the missile body. It's much more stable. Um, the North Koreans don't have an ICBM that's a solid fueled missile yet. But that's basically the last hurdle, right? Because they have shorter range stuff that's solid fuel. Um, and I think it's just, I don't know, to put a date on it, five to 10 years away, maybe, uh, from them developing this. But once they do, like, that that's kind of the ball game. <laughs> you, you, you sort of can't set any more limits on where the program grows from a technical perspective. And We've just kind of, I don't know, I think we've wasted a lot of time on the U.S. side um, by kind of thinking that we could pressure the North Koreans and, and whenever we go to the table to not actually make any concessions of our own, um, which I think is a mistake. I think we should be willing to to give up something um, to try and get them to do it. Because right now, I, you know, I don't know, the North Koreans hold a lot of the leverage uh, in all this, despite them being so much weaker than us. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that's where that's where things go next. Um, the other and and the last thing on this is, you know, what 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 figures into this whole plan? I, I think the big thing that we haven't seen yet, which is honestly a bit surprising to me that we haven't seen it yet, is a nuclear test. The North Koreans haven't done a nuclear test since September of 2017. Uh, if they did one now, it would well we'd know they're they're relatively easy to detect. Um, and I, I think the fact that they're kind of holding off is like an interesting show of restraint. Um, I'm not sure why, uh, but if, if we see one of those tests happen, I think, you know, strap in because I think that's kind of the, the, the moment where this thing goes from a sort of festering background issue and it becomes like the front page big issue for the United States. Eric Gomez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>